Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Roar Lions Roar. I'm your host tonight, Nick Pollock, and I'm joined by the lovely Mr. Matthew Filipovitz. How you doing, Matt? Nick, I'm good. I'm I'm fresh off of a trip through Midwest country. Uh, I was in Madison, Wisconsin, and I was up in Minneapolis this weekend, uh, and I was really impressed mm. by both towns, Madison, Madison especially. I had a great breakfast in Madison, uh, and I had a lot of really good beer in Minnesota, so I'm I'm feeling good and recharged for the season. I also was in Big Ten country this this past week because I was in Oregon, where our <laughs> new fellow Big Ten brethren ducks reside. I did not stop in Eugene, but I did drive right through it. Um, could see the football stadium from the road. Oh, I didn't cool. realize how um, I didn't realize how like elevated it is. Like it's 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 up much higher than everything else around it, which I think is pretty cool. I got um, to wander like basically yeah. onto the field at Wisconsin, like their bookstore, like lets you okay. right out on there and like the long snappers were getting some work in. Uh, and then like right outside of um, Minnesota's stadium on campus, uh, they were having practice in the stadium. And I have been to a lot of James Franklin open practices uh, when I was with the blog. Uh, I have never in my life heard a coach be not only mic'd up, but have the mic link up to the loudspeaker of the stadium. Uh, and PJ Flex Mike was definitively Ooh. that, which was wild. Uh, I could just hear everything they were That's practicing. Yeah, it was. I mean, I could see on the scoreboard, like from my vantage point, what they were working on. Um, like not like replay wise, but the situation. And I could hear PJ like on the mic. It was wild. Huh. I think there was. I feel like there was a blue white game one year. It might have been Bill O'Brien, actually, not Franklin. But I feel like Bill O'Brien did like had his mic hooked up so everyone could hear him talk. Like not for the whole mm-hmm. game, but for part of it, yeah. if I remember correctly. Interesting. Yeah, that was the but, first time I'd ever yeah, seen that. That's a cool yeah. idea. Yeah, it was pretty neat. Yeah, yeah it was it's a cool idea. Like again, that. it was wild that like anybody could just walked right up and heard everything they were working on. It was crazy. If you are listening to this tonight, I'm sure that you have already listened to all of our positional preview podcasts for Penn State football this year. But if you have not, please make sure you go back and do that. We previewed every position room, including special teams on the roster over the past two weeks. Definitely worth your time as we um, are less than two weeks now out from opening day and we're going to talk about the schedule today in a bit but first if you have not already please make sure you're subscribed to the podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts or subscribe to us on youtube where you can watch us um, as well as listen to us please make sure you hit that alert bell as well to get all of our new videos right in your feed the second they go live which for those of you on the east coast ends up being pretty early Mm -hmm. because i'm still not entirely sure if youtube is accounting for the time change when I post videos. So I post them at 5 a.m. Pacific, or I post them at like 3 a.m. Pacific time. So I don't know when they go it live. Is, it is to your um, time zone, Nick, because when I'm the one who scheduled, I set it for 5, uh, and they go live at 6 Eastern, mm. 5 Central. So, Okay, good to mm-hmm. know, good to know. Um, like I said briefly there, we are here today to talk about, and if you've you know read the title of this podcast, we are here to talk about Penn State's 2023 schedule. Now, that doesn't mean we're going to go into necessarily deep dives on predictions or anything today, but what we are going to do is we are going to kind of first start at looking at just some interesting things about the schedule and then break it down into three different chunks like we usually do and you know just talk about how the season is segmented out in those ways and uh, whether or not it plays into Penn State's advantage or not the way that things are set up this year. Um, spoiler alert, I kind of think they are. Matt, do you agree? Quick spoiler. This is a, this is a very, very, very advantageous schedule for the Indian Lions. Yeah. 
Yeah, very much agree. Um, so let's get right into it with, you know, just some first, some interesting tidbits that I think you and I both noticed about um, this schedule. Firstly, this is going to be the first season opener at home for Penn State since they played Idaho in 2019. Um, in 2020, they started at Indiana, though I don't really remember much about that game, so let's not talk about it. it. Didn't happen. Um, in 2021, they started at Wisconsin, and in 2022, they started at Purdue. So actually, this is also the first time since 2019 that they're opening with not a Big Ten team, mm-hmm. which is also interesting. Um, this is also going to be the 13th time in 14 years that Penn State starts on the road for Big Ten play. They will start this year at Illinois in week three. I know last year we talked a bit about uh, Pat Kraft went on his kind of media rampage, so to speak, um, about this. I would expect that when they do make the schedules for 2024, which are in flux right now because of all the stuff with USC and UCLA and Washington and Oregon and all that. I would expect that Penn State will probably start at home just, you know, with that stat combined with the fact that Kraft has, you know, mentioned it publicly and the fact that Penn State should be pretty good this year. I would expect them to start at just home. to avoid a call. Um, from Pat any Kraft. thoughts on either of those? I think they'll move it yeah, just yeah. to avoid the call. Um, any thoughts on either of those things, Matt? It's cool that, you know, I was at that Idaho game back in 2019. It was really cool to watch just a blowout. Like, it's nice to get an on-ramp, uh, which Penn State has not had the luxury of having in, like, what is it, four seasons at this yeah. point? Uh, it's just exciting that they yeah. get to have a little bit of an on-ramp. I'm um, not saying West Virginia is going to be Idaho, um, but a, a night game in early September um, against a opponent that at least Penn State's never played in my lifetime, I think it's just going to provide a lot of juice. Um, so I think it's going to be a really cool way to kick things off. Um, and, you know, it, again, I really don't care that much about starting on the road in the Big Ten. Like, you you get, as long as you get something at home first, like more often than not to get yourself tuned up a little bit, I'm fine with it. Um, so I'm not really all yeah. that worried about it. But overall, I mean, I'm excited that, you know, they get to kick things off in Beaver Stadium for the first time in a while. Yeah, speaking of, you know, not playing a team in your lifetime, it is kind of fun for a lot of Penn State fans to be playing West Virginia this year. This is a, you know, a a regional rivalry that regional rivalry that has existed for a long time and it's cool to see them get back together. Um and between them and Delaware, it's kind of cool to see two, you know, regional type games to open the season. Obviously, Delaware is not a rival, but Penn State recruits the state of Delaware very heavily. That's where we got Chris Godwin from, for those of you that forgot. Um, so it's it's just a good chance to see them play against a team that, you know, they don't compete for a lot of recruits. Obviously, it's a very different uh, scale we're talking about here, but fun to see them play some regional teams there. Other things I noted here, um, Ohio State and Michigan not bunched together on the schedule. Not at Ohio all. State game is on. Not at all. Ohio State game is on October 21st. Michigan is on November 11th. So there are three games in between those, which is really nice for Penn State. Um did I have the right three games? Ohio State and then... Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, three yeah. Ga- or two games in between. Two games in between, excuse me. Um, and then the last thing, you now this season will once again end with the land-grant trophy game. And I'm wondering if that's going to be the last time this happens for a while, Matt. Like ending with the land-grant trophy? Yeah. Yeah, probably. Um, what a bummer. I, as, as I'm sure people know, we're very yeah. attached to this rivalry uh, being played specifically this week. Um, that's a joke. We're not. Like, this is... It's it, it's a forced rivalry. I, I'm not joking. I love it. I, listen, I love the land grant trophy, but also like I it's like a, it's a tier what C 
rivalry game, like in the grand scheme of rivalry. Week, That's why it's so great. I guess, I guess. That's why it's so great. You have all these huge rivalry games going on, and then you just have this Penn State-Michigan game, Michigan State game just stuck in the middle playing for the world's largest and heaviest trophy. I absolutely love it. Can I it. offer a counterpoint I'll to that? I'll be sad if it doesn't happen. Sure. Uh, it's It will be very funny if uh, it, the, that first week is always like a crazy hot game. It's always in the 80s. If after a long game that hopefully Penn State's wins in like 85 degree weather, they then have to carry a 65 pound trophy like back to the locker room when they're already exhausted um, <laughs> would objectively just be hilarious. Um, you know, it, it's, it's cool. It would be funny. Yeah, it's cool that, you know, we get to have it one more time. It sucks. It's a neutral sider. Uh, well, it's good for Penn State, but like in like the college football sense, I don't really like neutral side games. Uh, and it's great that there's a little bit of a gap between uh, Ohio State and Michigan. One thing I, I, I found interesting, they're not Penn State won't play a Big Ten East team until October 21st. And the first divisional game is against Ohio State, like arguably the biggest one of the year. Mm. That's that's wild. Like you're going to end the season playing only divisional rivals. I can't I can't name the last time that happened. Like you get the non-con and the Big Ten West done by the second weekend of October. Like I, I can't name the last time that's happened. Yeah, I I mean it probably hasn't mm-hmm. happened. Yeah, probably. But I would wager to say it's definitely a unique quirk of this schedule. Mm-hmm. Um which is it I mean like like if you're Penn State, you are expecting to be in a position where you could potentially be tied with one or both of Ohio State and Michigan at the end of this mm-hmm. year. So obviously you want to win all your games, but it is nice that you have these non-divisional opponents to kind of ramp up because in a tiebreaker tiebreaker situation, I can't even pretend to remember what the hierarchy is of what decides what. If you do drop an early game, you would prefer it to be against a non-divisional opponent. So it is nice in that Mm -hmm. way. Oh, for sure. It's going to be nice that, again, that on-ramp, not that it's that long of an on-ramp, but it's more than we've seen in the past three years. So we'll we'll take the wins or we can get it on that front. Yeah. So let's get right into it, Matt. Let's talk about what we're going to call chunk one Mm -hmm. of the schedule, and that will be versus West Virginia, versus Delaware, at Illinois, and versus Iowa. Quick note, we're not going to go crazy in depth on each of these games. We'll pull a couple notes out about each team and we'll kind of talk about the chunk at large. Um, but let's start with West Virginia. West Virginia is going to be going into the season with the preseason SP plus rankings as the number 60 team in the country, the number 42 offense and the number 84 defense. They do not have a starting quarterback officially named yet, but it is Almost certainly going to be Garrett Green last year, 43-78, 493 yards, uh, five touchdowns, three picks, rushed for 276 on the ground, also had four receptions Mm -hmm. for 32 yards. Um, They'll have a solid running game with C.J. Donaldson, who was averaging six yards per carry last year before he got hurt. Their center, Zach Frazier, is a second-team AP All-American. Those just came out today, Monday, August 21st, when we're recording this. They will not have a great defense, though, and they lost several pieces of that defense that allowed 412 yards per game last year. Matt, aside from the you know the regional fun of playing West Virginia, how are you feeling about facing this West Virginia team to start the year? I, I love that they get to start with a Power 5 opponent, and respectfully, I like that it's one of the how do I want to word this bottom feeders of, of the power five? There's no need to be respectful. Yeah, I mean, I don't hate, I they've never played West Virginia in my lifetime, so I don't have that much hatred for it. Um, so I, I am intrigued that like they get to go out there against the name brand week one. 
Uh, I love the fact that West yeah. Virginia's best player, maybe overall, is an interior offensive lineman. What are we all worried about <laughs> right now? It's the defensive interior. It's the defensive tackles. Cool. Trial by fire to kick things off. Here's Zach Frazier, a you know definitive, probably day two guy in the NFL draft. That's really exciting. I love that they get to go in there with that kind of challenge right off the bat and really get a measuring stick for where they are. That's going to be awesome. Uh, you know, it, it's a defense that, it was Virginia defense that I don't think is going to be all that threatening. They do have a couple of former Penn State guys in there in Lance Dixon and Fatorma Moba. Uh, so it's cool that those guys get to come back to campus. But I think that this can be a game that Penn State struggles in a little bit, but then takes control. Like, will this be the Penn State App State, App State game back in 2018? I don't think so. Like, I think, but also will it be the Penn State Idaho game in 19? Probably not. I think somewhere in between. I think this is a game that. Penn State can get a good lead in front of, kill clock, make Aller comfortable in his throws. And again, the defense can go out there and set the tone from week one. Uh, it, it felt like for a lot of the Purdue game last year, Penn State was playing on their heels. I'd go back to the same thing about Wisconsin in 2021. I think Penn State can go out there and put their foot on the gas at home. And I think that's really just going to set up for a, a nice game where, yeah, we're going to see a lot of mistakes. But the biggest jump, coaches always say, happens between week one and week two. So just get through it unscathed. You know, show me that you're going to be a realistic threat to compete for the Big Ten title in week one, and, and I'll call it a win. Yeah, very much agree. Like you said, I think you said it perfectly in that it's nice to start with like a name, mm -hmm. but not a name that's, you know, West Virginia is not terrible, no. but they're not going to be very good this year. I mean, they didn't um, have bowl so practices it's... even. Like Penn, Penn State has this, yeah. I mean, think about how important Franklin's always said those bowl practices are. I don't know if that's coach speak or, or what, but... I mean, they went five and seven. They haven't played a football game in what's going to be basically nine months, 10 months. Uh, like it's going to be a rusty team. And, and and that's intriguing. Like with a new starting quarterback, I love that it's at night at home. Again, I think this is a Penn State team's going to thrive off that environment. Yeah, should be plenty of energy on the Penn State sideline for that mm -hmm. one. Um, Delaware, all due respect, we don't need to talk that much about Delaware. Cool it's, you know, it's the. It's the token non non conference non power five, um, just kind of cupcake in there. But yeah, it's it's a fun. It's way more fun to be doing this against Delaware mm -hmm. than like I don't know, insert directional Midwestern state here. It's way more fun that. Oh way. yeah. Um, yeah. Then week three, they head off to Illinois. Illinois will be the number forty three uh, ranked team by SP plus with the number eighty two offense, but the number seven defense. Of course, their biggest piece last year on offense, Chase Brown, running back Chase Brown is gone. I believe he's on the Bengals yep, now. Bengals. Um, they will still have a very good defense, but they will be without their leader as Ryan Walter, last year's defensive coordinator, is now the Purdue head coach. They do still have uh, Jerzan Newton at tackle, one of the very best defensive players in all of the country. Mm -hmm. The question for Illinois is really just going to come down to, do they have enough offense to win? With Luke Altmaier, quarterback. Yeah, Altmaier named the starter today. Um, this is a terrifying game. Like, we think about these chaos yeah. games in college football. Like, Georgia almost lost to Missouri last year. Um, Illinois almost beat Michigan last year. Like, this is this is the chaos game. Uh, thankfully, Penn State, their first road game, like, of a first-time starter has been pretty successful. Like, I know they lost the pit game in 2016. That's not a success. But McSorley wasn't the reason they lost that game. The, the defense kind of choked up in that game. McSorley threw for like 300-something yards. 
Let's go back to yeah. Cliff's first road game as a starter. Maryland 2019 picked him apart on a short week. So I, I think it's going to be a good challenge. I think Illinois is definitely a, a really, really solid team. Can they repeat eight wins, which was their best season in like a decade while losing their defensive coordinator? Like I know they promoted from within, but they lose that guy. They lose their quarterback. They lose a ton of production to the NFL. Like I will have to wait and see. This is the first game that like actively scares me. And I think this is going to be a big hinge game for a lot of people. Like I think if Penn State wins this game, I think maybe you'll see people like even in our circle, Nick, shift their expectations then from 10 and two to maybe 11 and one. Like, I think that'll really move the needle for a lot of people if they're able to get out of Illinois, uh, who's going to be on a extended day's rest because they, that Kansas game the week before is on a Friday now. Um, I think that's going to really change people's perspective about this team as much as a game against Illinois can in September. Yeah, it's it's a really good matchup for what Penn State kind of wants to figure out about themselves and what they need to prove at this point mm-hmm. in the season because. Um, no, I, I say this knowing very well exactly what happened in the nine overtime game because I was sitting there in the stadium watching it happen. But <laughs> Illinois' offense should not be good enough to do anything notable against what should be a very good Penn State defense. Mm-hmm. And because of that, it gives Penn State's offense, like you you don't have to be as scared of the um, the potential threat that the Illinois defense and specifically the defensive line poses to the Penn State offensive line and Drew Allen. Mm-hmm. It should be a really good chance for all of us to assess where the offensive line is at um, and where Drew Aller himself is at in terms of being able to, you know, understand coverages and pressures. It's a very good Illinois defense. They're going to do some interesting things, but understanding how to navigate a pocket that, you know, is is going to collapse at times because it's a very good defense. It's just going to happen. Um, so it is a really interesting, like there's obviously stakes because Illinois is, you know, they're not bad. They are a decent team with a re- very good defense, but you would hope that the Penn state defense will be able to clamp down enough on that side of the ball that it shouldn't, you know, be too scary. So it's kind of, it's an interesting chance, you know, to, um, it's, you can almost feel comfortable watching Penn state struggle and learn you know, what they need to do to win, knowing that it should still end up as a win in the end, if that makes sense. Also, Penn State can run the ball. Like, they couldn't run the ball in 2021. Yeah. Like, think about everything that had to go wrong for that game to get out of hand the way it did. Like, Clifford's injured. Yes. PJ's injured. Yes. Defensive tackles are a bunch of true freshmen and redshirt freshmen. Yes. Like, that doesn't exist anymore. And they can run the ball on top of it all. Yeah. Um, I'm still terrified of that game, but I, I, I'm not nearly as scared as some of... of like seems like some people are just in the zeitgeist. Yeah. The week after they will face a very similar team, but one that is probably better, but they'll be doing it in the friendly confines of Beaver stadium. And that is Iowa, I can't wait for Iowa, game. the number 20, the number 22 team by SP plus the number 79 offense and the number one defense. Of course, the stories with Iowa right now center around one, the hilarious contract stipulations of Brian Ferentz and his offense needing to score. What is it? 26 20, points per 25 game. 25 points per um, game. Defensive scores do count. Um, God, this is going to be so yeah. funny. <laughs> Of course, you have Cade McNamara, former Michigan quarterback, in to helm that offense now. You also have former Michigan tight end Eric All there. The big thing for me, though, when I look at the defense, not that I'm worried about Iowa you know, replacing production on defense, 
but you lost Jack Campbell at linebacker. You lost Riley Moss at corner slash safety. You lost Kayvon Merriweather at safety. You lost Luke Van Ness off the edge. You still have Cooper DeGean there. He's excellent. You still have a former five-star Xavier. Don't know how to say his name. Wankpa, Wankpa. I don't know what letters are silent, which letters are. There's an NW and then there's a KP. So it's hard to say what gets pronounced there and what doesn't. Um, but I'm sure he will be an absolute monster at some point just because mm-hmm. that's what Iowa does. Um, of course, they have great special teams led by Matt's trade target of choice, punter Tory Taylor. Dude's a baller. The question for Iowa, the question for Iowa, you know, as always, is going to be, is the defense dominant enough to cover up what is probably going to be an uninspiring offense, even with, you know, ostensibly a better quarterback in Cade McNamara, mm-hmm. probably, than what they've had? Probably. Oh. I mean... Iowa's interesting. Nick, do you think Iowa's the only whiteout proof offense in the country because of how slow they go? Mm. Like, no, like how do you I mean, how I do you knock anybody is whiteout proof? Yeah, I like... guess. But how do you knock something with no rhythm off rhythm? Like, you know what I'm saying? Um, I mean, you know, let's call it. I I do understand the point. Yeah, like this isn't a team that's gonna go fast, that's gonna get jumpy, you know, from crowd noise. Sure, they'll get jumpy from crowd noise, but like it's not like they're going to get rattled. They're going to be in a huddle. They're going to be led by an experienced quarterback, even though it's his first year in that system. Um, this is this is what the whiteout should be. Like, it should be a night game. It sucks not Ohio State. It sucks it's not Michigan. Like, I, I understand the frustration there. But this is the future of the Big Ten when Fox has the rights to the big games. You want, the night, you want your biggest night game then to be the whiteout. And it's cool that it's an Iowa team that I have to imagine James Franklin and all the guys still left over from that 2021 team want to beat into the dirt like we've seen James Franklin like be angry and be sassy like I think the best example of that was Michigan State back in 2016 where I forget who it was but somebody scored a pretty unnecessary touchdown uh and if you remember that 2015 game uh Mark D'Antonio let his offensive lineman score on senior day against Penn State like I think we could be that level which was admittedly awesome it was pretty cool yeah 2015 season uh was (laughs) cursed um but I can see Petty James coming out here uh, and I can see Penn State, For sure. you know, taking control of this game early. But also, again, I, I'm terrified that Iowa loves to mess things up. Uh, and again, how do you throw something with no rhythm off rhythm? It, it, that's going to be an interesting game. And again, I'm glad that Penn State gets them at home. I'm glad it's going to be nice weather, hopefully. Like it won't be freezing cold where Penn State will be struggling to air it out. Uh, and, and that'll just be, that's one of the ones I'm most excited for on the schedule overall. Yeah. Overall, Matt, how are you feeling about this first chunk here? It's a little on-ramp with a you know not great West Virginia team, Delaware, and then you got two really tough defenses in a row. How are you feeling overall here? Uh, I think it's great. I think Penn State can talk a lot of smack because uh, four of their three of their first four opponents are Power Five opponents, uh, and not many teams can say that. Uh, I, I love easy non-conference games. I think there's a lot of value. I think Michigan last year proved that there's a lot of value in those games. Um, because everybody remembers them for winning the Big Ten. Nobody remembers them for beating UConn and like East Carolina. Um, yeah. I think they have to go four and in this stretch. I think that's the expectation. And I think they can easily do that. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, you know, speaking of power five teams, mm-hmm. there's a lot of really great merchandise you can get for power five teams and non power five teams over at homefieldapparel.com. Uh, you know, Homefield, there are, they've been our sponsors since we, you know, converted to a podcast only medium here at Roar Lions Roar. Um, I'm wearing one of their shirts right now, the wrestling shirt by my, you know, for my money, the best shirt that they make. And I absolutely love it. Okay. All right. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, um, that's not fair. Not overall, because there's a lot of really cool shirts. Definitely the coolest Penn State. Thing oh, I think mine's mind. the coolest that's... one. I got the script Nittany Lions logo uh, tee on right now. I think that one's that one's elite. I think we can let the uh, the watchers of the video decide sure. then. Um, but if you are listening to this podcast, if you like either of the shirts that we are wearing or anything else you can find at homefieldapparel.com, we have a wonderful chance for you to save a nice chunk of money here. If it is your first time ordering or your first time ordering with a new email account at homefieldapparel.com, if you use the code RLR23 at checkout, all caps, all one word, if you use that code at checkout, you can get 15% off of your first order, no matter how much is in there. You could get every single piece of Penn State attire they have, or you could go on and check out any of the other incredible offerings they have for pretty much any school you can think of. I know Matt has several shirts that are not Penn State related. This is true. Um, I have a couple of Washington State shirts that I absolutely love. They have a lot of great stuff. Um, you know about Homefield. You know how much time they put into making quality products that are as comfortable to wear as they are enjoyable to look at. Uh, they dig deep into the history books to find all the great stuff that makes your school unique. And they toss them on shirts and joggers and sweatshirts. And I think they have hats. They do they have, have hats, hats right? They do have so, hats. Yeah. So anything you can think of, they're going to find something that makes you feel proud to go to your school. And they're going to find things that, you know, really hit you deep as an alum or just a longtime fan of the school. So make sure you head over to homefieldapparel.com. Use the code RLR23 on your first order for 15% off. Get all that holiday shopping done early here in August so you can spend the next you know, three, four months of your life doing nothing but watching Penn State football. And that will continue with chunk number two on the schedule, Matt. I think that was elite. That well starts. Done. Good ad read. Thank you. That starts going <laughs> at Northwestern. Who I can't wait for this yikes. game. We'll talk about that. Oh, in a I'm moment. for this one. We'll talk about that in a moment. Um, then they have the bye week. Then they face UMass at home. Then they will go to Columbus to take on the Buckeyes. And then they will face Indiana at home. That's the next four, uh, five week, four game chunk here. Let's talk about what the hell is happening over at Northwestern. They are the number 85 team per SP plus the number 124 offense the number 29 defense. Obviously, they have been all over the news for as many possible reasons as you could hope not to be on the news for. Tough times over there in Evanston, Matt. Yeah, um, my one comment on this game is that Evil Matt, uh, friend of the blog, uh, Stanley, uh, and several other other friends are coming for this game, uh, and we're going to have a, a rip-roaring time uh, over at Ryan Field. Um, Northwestern will not be good. Um, again, you never want to overlook any opponent. This is any given Saturday, something crazy can happen. Uh, but I feel confident in that being a a pretty friendly PSU crowd, uh, especially for like a Big Ten West opponent standards. Um, be a fun game. I'm excited. How much are those tickets going to run you? Uh, I haven't bought them yet because I'm waiting until the last minute because um, I fully expect to yeah. buy them on my train ride up to Evanston. It's like a 40 minute train ride. Um, probably like, I don't know, 20 bucks. That was what I'm hoping for. Um, so that high yeah we'll see we'll see what happens as the game gets closer um but hmm. I, i'm excited for that game i think that game is going to be interesting i'm excited that i'll be able to see penn state in person um and i don't really i mean none of us know what northwestern is going to be like that whole staff kind of got blown up uh and I, I just can't imagine it's going to be anything all that impressive yeah it's going to be trash. I hate Northwestern. I'm glad to see them suffer. Mm -hmm. Sorry. Don't feel bad about it. Um, after that is the bye week. The second of, the second of three consecutive a... bye weeks, if we want to call it that. <laughs> this is a really interestingly timed bye I week for this. me, Matt, because if, 
if there is one critique, uh, well, you know, there's there's two large critiques of the James Franklin era at Penn State. One being that they've had a tendency to let one loss turn into two at times, especially when it's against one of the big names, Ohio State or Michigan. But the other one is that his teams have not always played particularly well out of the bye. Well, there are not many easier opponents to face out of a bye week than UMass, who will be the one goes into the season as the number 133rd last ranked team by SP plus the number 130 offense, the number 114 defense. It does not get worse in terms of, you know, or does not get easier in terms of what opponent you could be playing in that situation. This seems kind of perfect for what we know of James Franklin football. Teams. I, I have never seen like we, we know about SoCon Saturday, that second last weekend of November for SEC teams. I have never seen a Big Ten team get essentially two bye weeks in a row, three if you want to count Northwestern, uh, and a tune-up game at home in the middle of the season. That's I, I can't imagine anything better than that for Penn State. It gives you essentially two weeks to get healthy. It gives them a chance to go out there and let some young guys prove prove that they can play ahead of going into what's going to be a tough road matchup against Ohio State. This is this is awesome. I'm I'm probably going to go to this game. Uh, I'm really looking forward to it. Oh. Uh, it's homecoming. Generations of greatness uniforms come back out for this, and I I just I, there's not much to be excited about except for the fact that Penn State gets to play football and probably stay healthy and probably score a lot of points in the middle of October, and not very often do we get that luxury. Yeah. And the main reason that it's so important that they get this by and then the easiest possible game you can think of right after that is because the week after they will head to Columbus to Ohio State. Ohio State will enter the season as the number two ranked team by SP plus the number one offense and the number 12 defense. Biggest things right now with Ohio State. Who's going to play quarterback? Is it going to be Philadelphia product Carson McCord, or is it going to be former five-star number one overall recruit on on three sports, Devin Brown? What are you going to get out of, and more importantly, does it even matter? Because they're throwing the ball to Marvin Harrison Jr. and Emeka Ibuka, both named uh, first-team AP All-Americans. Think about that. Both of their receivers, their top two receivers are named first team All-Americans. Absolutely that wild. That is absurd. Absolutely wild. On the defense, you have uh, Tommy Eichenberg at linebacker, or sorry, Liam Eichenberg at linebacker. Um, he should be pretty good. Travion Henderson will be back this year for the running game. He is a big X factor here for me because he is one of the most dynamic runners in the country when he was healthy. Mm-hmm. He was not healthy terribly often last year. No. But there are still questions on the defense with Ohio State, as there have been for the last couple of years. There are significant questions on the offensive line. They lost several guys, and it you know it wasn't quite as good last year, that unit, I would say, and they seem poised to be take a step back. How much is that going to matter here? This is probably the best chance Penn State has had to beat Ohio State in Columbus since 2017. Nick, that's legally speaking, that's acknowledging the window. Um, I'm going to put that out there and get in front of it. Um, <laughs> legally binding. Uh, I'm not a lawyer. Um, no matter who it is, Kyle McCord or Devin Brown, somebody's not going to be excellent at some point for Ohio State. Did I say Carson McCord you, before? You did. You did. But I think you're thinking Carson back at Georgia. That's... No, I'm thinking of the person I coach with whose name is Carson McCord. So thank you for correcting Carson me. McCord, not a sponsor. Um but Kyle McCord, not a sponsor, be. great guy, not a sponsor. <laughs> um, but as I let's say, listen, the, the standard has been Justin Fields, top ten pick, C.J. Stroud, first round pick, number two overall pick. Somebody's not going to be that high level. Like it, nobody hits that often. 
you could say, you know, Ryan Day and Ohio State are, are just super special. I, I don't buy it. I think either McCord or Brown will be excellent just because I think that Ohio State very rarely has a true whiff at quarterback. And they're not going to whiff on two guys who are top 50 prospects. They have good enough receivers. If Penn State's going to get them, I've been saying it, it's going to happen in a window. I can't think of a better window than when Ohio State is breaking in a new quarterback. Their offensive line could be mediocre, and Penn State is maybe one of the best edge rusher groups in the country. It just feels like this is their chance to get them. Uh, I'm optimistic. I'm hopeful. Uh, but I, I I just hope that they keep it competitive. I think they could have won that game back in 2021. Uh, and as long as Penn State doesn't turn it over, I think they have a pretty good shot. Yeah, I would agree. You know, turnovers have been the big differentiator in this game the last couple of years. I do. I think, think it's we, six turnovers to Ohio are, State's one in the last two years. Yeah, I think you are a bit more um, on the side of two loss Ohio State feeling. Yeah, you're you're a bit more down on Ohio State, whereas I'm still pretty firmly in the camp of I'll believe Ohio State isn't you know undefeated level good when I see them not be undefeated level good. Um, but I don't think we're terribly far off there. Um, of course, we'll talk about Ohio State plenty more as we approach that game. This chunk will end with a home game against Indiana. Indiana will be the goes in the season as the number 83 ranked SP plus team, number 71 offense, number 100 defense. Boy, that's got to make Tom Allen's skin just crawl. Um, they do not have a quarterback named yet. They are uh, still trying to choose between Tennessee transfer Taven Jackson or Brendan Soresby. Neither really inspires much confidence. This is just simply put, not a good Indiana team. And the program is in a pretty tough spot right now. Yeah, it's tough to be Indiana. Um, I I would probably be more surprised than not if Tom Allen was coaching this game. I, I, I just don't think he's going to make mm. it this far into the season. It's tough. Yeah, it, it, the 2020 was a long time ago. Uh, Michael Penix isn't walking back through that door. Um, I just hope Indiana can stay competitive in the non-con. I like their fans a lot. I think it's a cool program, uh, but I think it's just going to be, especially at home for Penn State, I think this one's going to be a, a nice, a nice, easy, hopefully cakewalk. It's, uh, is it controversial to say that the opening of the transfer portal has hurt Indiana more than any other team in the Big Ten? I mean, who are their big names to, like, go? I, I think Penix kind of needed a change of scenery after all those injuries. Like, I, I no, don't think... that was going to yeah, happen anyway. I don't think yeah. he went on the portal. Like, I can't think of, like, any other really big name they've lost over the years. I mean, Tom Allen seems like a guy... I don't think it's necessarily in that... I don't think it's necessarily in that they have lost guys to the mm-hmm. portal. I just don't see Indiana really being a destination in the portal. Yeah. Is more where I'm leaning. Yeah. I mean, if you want to play major college ball, Indiana, I'm sure, is appealing for somebody who just wants to play in the Big Ten. Like, I understand that, sure. but I don't think very many of those guys truly exist. Yeah. So, chunk two here, Matt. At Northwestern, by versus UMass, at Ohio State versus uh, Illinois, Indiana. I'm not going to ask you to make a prediction about the Ohio State game, mm-hmm. game right now, but this seems like as favorable right. of a kind of schedule sandwich you could make before and after the Ohio State game as possible. Yes, this is this is the dream. This is exactly what the doctor ordered for Penn State. I think it lets you go into Ohio State very healthy and come off of it. No matter what happens, it's going to be a little bit of a coming down from a high, and I think it's going to be um, very nice to have Indiana to lead into the final stretch of the season. Speaking and I'll make a, I'll make, I'll make a prediction. Stretch. I'll make a prediction. Um, okay, go for it. Go for, for this it. to be a success, Penn State has to go three and one, but also... 
I, I kind of view it as Ohio State and Michigan are kind of a two-game season within the season in window years. So I would like Penn sure. State to hold their loss off as long as they can. I, I just don't think that a, t- a team in the current Big Ten East can go 12-0. and I just don't think it's possible. Um, so if they lose that game to Ohio State, then they have to go 4-0 to end it. But if they beat Ohio State, they can afford to go 3-1 and in this last chunk. Yeah, let's talk about that chunk here. Starts with at Maryland, then they return back to Beaver Stadium to play Michigan, then they stay home to play Rutgers, and then they finish the year at Michigan State. I'm sure the weather will be sunny and you know perfect, 70 degrees. Um, it will be. It's indoors. The season will end for. Oh right, that's right. <laughs> I keep forgetting that. Such a God, it's such a foolish decision by Michigan State to sign off on that. If, Their biggest advantage is gone. It feels like they uh, Mel Tucker might need to be close by to an international airport. Um, just so mm. maybe that's why they put it mm. there. Mm. Love it. They can't afford to fire. All right, they so le- they truly cannot. So at Maryland, NF Tuck sold. <laughs> at Maryland is always um, weird. Always interesting in terms of, you know, sometimes they tell the students they don't have to go to class that day if it's on a Friday and then they get blown out 51 to Did Maryland score in that game. I think it was 56 to nothing. It was something crazy. I think so. Um, sometimes, you know, they play in a back and forth game at M and T bank stadium that somehow ends with Penn state winning. And even though it feels, even though it ends up feeling like a loss, there's just always interesting things. Just, you know, it's just the way this Maryland team is built. Mm-hmm. Like they are built to play weird games because they have lots of, uh, they're kind of like the college Arizona Cardinals in a way they have a, a lot thing to of, call somebody. Yeah, well, I know not this year as much because the Cardinals have now they don't no longer have DeAndre Hopkins, no longer have JJ Watt, et cetera. But they got rid of Trace um, McSorley. They have a lot of names. (laughs) They have a lot of names, you know, but it just kind of feels like they're playing fantasy football while everyone else is trying to build a football team. Talia Tungavailoa should be great. He's he's a very good quarterback. I think if he, you know, had gone to an sec program as was rumored in the transfer portal this offseason i he could be setting himself up to be you know probably not a high nfl draft pick because he's not quite big enough mm-hmm. but certainly like a maybe a third rounder yeah. like he's got the talent he's just has to stay healthy problem is that's not very easy to do behind a maryland offensive line that doesn't do a great job protecting him but you know defensively they've got some names jordan phillips from uh, tennessee is there to, on the defensive line you have former penn state target in the recruiting game jay sean barham at uh middle linebacker um i should also mention maryland 41 overall sp plus 47 offense 27 defense pretty good um just a we yeah that much better than i expected honestly mm-hmm. but like just they're just a weird team and i Kind of like I will continue to believe Ohio State is good until they're not. I'm going to continue to believe that Maryland is not fully put together until they are. Nick, do you know who Maryland's offensive coordinator is? Oh, I think I do. It's a... Don't don't you dare look this up. I'm not looking it up. I, um... Oh, no. I think this is his fourth job in four years. They have the funniest coaching staff, and I'm so upset that I can't think of. Oh, just tell me. I know who it is, but wait, is is it? It's Gaddis. It is Josh Gaddis. Yeah, it's Gaddis. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, that <laughs> worked out well for Miami. Uh, him as offensive coordinator. Maybe it'll be different at Maryland. 
Um, I, Maryland's a good team. Michael Oxley has built that program up. I'm, I'm impressed with what he's done. He's recruited well. I like his staff a lot. Gaddis withstanding. Um, if, if Maryland's going to get one of the big three, it feels like this is the year for them to do it. I'm, I'm terrified that Penn State is going to be that one that they get, considering they're, the, they're one of the two that go to College Park. I think... Do you like do you like their coaching staff? I do. I think Lochte's like, a really good coach. coach. Even think, their coaching staff feels like they're playing fantasy football. Yeah, but what is what what is Maryland going to do to be successful? Like clearly they're not going to ever be able to compete with everybody else. They're trying something different, which I I give them a lot of credit for. They're going out there and they're <sighs> But are they? Are they? I feel like they're just building a recruiting staff and they already can recruit just fine. I, I guess. I don't know. I, I I think there's enough enough in that room, enough smart minds in that coaching staff to to get something done. I think they probably win eight, nine games, which is a great season for Maryland. I, I don't think Tua's yep, gonna absolutely. I don't think Tua's gonna see ghosts again like he did against Penn State last year. Tua was the most lost or not, Tua. Talia was the most lost I've ever seen. I was gonna say, do they yeah. call him Tua? Can we call him Tawa? Sorry, sorry. Little <laughs> just reverse little it? Tua. Um was the most lost I think I'd ever seen a quarterback in a college game against Penn State last year. Like he threw it to an offensive yeah. lineman at one point on a check down, which was hilarious. Um, but I, I just I don't think that's gonna repeat itself. So I'm a little bit scared of this game. This feels like the come up and bite you, like what Iowa was to Michigan back in 2016 to let Penn State win the Big Ten title. Like this kind of feels similar to that. So we'll have to wait and see how this all thing shakes out. Maryland's a team I'm very excited to watch early on in the year, but I I think Penn State fans travel well for that game. If Maryland's defensive line is what I think it is, I think Penn State can control that game pretty easily. But definitely that in Illinois, I think, are the two biggest like trap games on the roster, on the roster, on the schedule. Yeah, I think one of the reasons the Maryland game is such a trap game, aside from the fact that it is on the road, is that the week after Penn State returns home to face Michigan. Michigan, the number three team in SP plus, the number seven offense, the number four defense. We know that Penn State plays much better against Michigan when they are in State College than when they do when they are in Ann Arbor. The question is, you know, can let's not go any deeper than this here, Matt. Can Penn State beat this Michigan team this year? Yes. Uh, Nick, real quick, what was the score of the Penn State-Michigan 2018 game at Michigan? Do you remember? Oh, goodness. 2018? Mm-hmm. Oh, God. Was it... Was that the... Tell me about that game so Will I can Levis, remember what happened. I think Will, no, Tommy might have played a little bit. Yeah, Tommy came in there at one oh, point. Oh, yeah. God. Oh, yeah, that was bad. Uh, they scored 50? It was 42 to 7. So it was a worse blowout than the one yeah. Penn State had last year. Uh, and Penn State followed that performance up by beating Michigan at home. I think they can do that again. They did. I really hate this idea that All Michigan right. is light years ahead. They're about even in the blue chip ratio. Penn State plays Michigan close. They had them beat. In 2021, despite only scoring one offensive touchdown, like one blown coverage by a true freshman, Kalen King, really is what you know, the difference. Uh, I think Penn State can beat Michigan at home. That game terrifies me. I think this is the best version of Michigan we'll ever seen. Well, it will have ever seen, but I, I like Penn State's odds at home to at least play them close and hopefully get a dub. Yeah, should be interesting to see where JJ McCarthy and that offense are at by the time they head out here. It'll be only a couple games left in the season. So they, both these teams should be firing on all cylinders at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, after the Michigan game, two fairly nondescript games to finish out the season for Penn State. Uh, they'll be at home against Rutgers, number 77 SP plus, 99 offense, 60 defense. And then they'll be in the neutral site game. And uh, it's in Indianapolis, right? Ford Field in Detroit. 
is where this Ford, is oh, that's right. Ford Field in Detroit against Michigan State. Um, Michigan State, number 46 overall team, better than I thought. 62 offense, number 30 defense. Um, you know, basic, same basic questions as always with Michigan State. You know, who's going to step up? Is how much, you know, how much production are they going to get out of the guys that they brought in the transfer portal? Is are they finally going to start getting production from some of the guys they've actually recruited as high schoolers? This should be about the time where Mel Tucker starts to, you know, get some results there. Mm-hmm. Um, two, you know, as all things considered, fairly boring last two games for Penn State. Yeah. Do you agree? Yeah, I think Rutgers is the number five team in the East. I think Michigan State's the number six team in the East. Yeah. It's you know, just not a lot to say here. We'll say more about them when we get to them, but right now, eh, maybe maybe if either of these teams show something different over the first, you know, however many weeks of the season, it'll be more interesting. But as of now, seems fairly nondescript. Both could be in Overall, wounded animal man. mode just to make a bowl game and like save their coach from moving yes. to an even hotter seat. So that that is a bit of a concern. But overall, I think Penn State should win both of these games. And it's a pretty nice off ramp to hopefully an additional 13th game in December. Overall, Matt. It is a pretty good schedule for Penn State. We have the nice buildup. We have the the couple of tough defenses early to test them, see what they're made of. Then things cool off. Nice on-ramp to Ohio State. Indiana and Maryland, you know, difficult games in their own way, but not, you know, terribly threatening. Then you go into the Michigan game at home. Should be much better as far as playing in Ann Arbor. And then two games against teams that are, you know, not train wrecks, but not particularly threatening mm-hmm. to end the year. It sets up pretty well for Penn State, wouldn't you say? This is the dream schedule in the window. And I'll shut up about the window because I know people hate it. Um, but this is, this is, <laughs> I mean, like the window goes back to like, this is the talent and this is the year to do it. Like Ohio State has QB questions and I get you go on the road and I get it's in the middle of the season, but who's to say they're going to be really resolved by then? Like Michigan could be banged up by the time November rolls around with the style of football they play. There's just so many things. This just feels like the perfect schedule for me. And listen, it all starts with getting through that first four games undefeated. And if they do that, I really believe the sky's the limit for this team. Yeah, it it seems to be, you know, if James Franklin could have, you know, made the schedule game for game on his own in his office one day, it probably would look fairly close to this maybe the maryland game would be earlier in the year and swap another easier team right in front of michigan but it's pretty darn good for penn state we will talk plenty well before we do that matt any other final thoughts on the schedule here uh no it'll be listen penn state plays football next week uh i am amped i i want these next 12 or so odd dates to fly by and i just cannot wait to see toe hit leather here it's going to be fantastic. Um, we will talk plenty more. We still have our uh, preseason over-under predictions, of which I am the reigning champ. That podcast is still coming up. We will post that later this week, I believe. Yes. Maybe next week. It's this coming week. soon regardless. Yeah. Nick, you've seen the numbers. Um, you've seen the numbers. So I, 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 this is the first year you're going to actually prep, uh, and you dominated the game last year without any prep. So I'm, I'm excited to see where you fall on these. <laughs> I know I haven't looked at the numbers closely yet. I know where they are now, so I can look at them, mm-hmm. but I haven't done it quite okay. yet. I didn't have time to start what I wanted to work on yet. Um, but in case you have not listened, like I said at the top, if you have not listened to any of our other preview content so far, please make sure you go back, check out all the previews for our positional rooms, all the way from quarterback to special teams, nice little 30-ish minute chunks on each group. 
uh, very informative to help you have help have you ready for the season. Make sure you visit homefieldapparel.com. Use the code RLR23 for 15% off of your first order. If you have not done so already, take advantage of that. They're wonderful sponsors. We love working with them. And finally, make sure you are subscribed to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts or subscribed and have alerts clicked on YouTube where you can watch us as well. We are very, very excited to continue previewing Penn State football. And before you know it, we'll be talking very specifically about West Virginia, and we will all be sitting down together to watch that West Virginia game, whether you are in the stadium or you are on your couch. We can't wait. We're sure that you can't wait either. So let's call it a day for now, Matt. For myself, Nick Pollock, for my co-host, Matt Filipovitz, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Go State. Go State.